spiritual warfare. Actually, we're going to look up more, but uh, the kind of a jumping off spot. But we know in the, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, we know that Paul tells us, that finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. This verse 10 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Or um, we know that, uh, talk about the... That we that spiritual wickedness in high places, as King James says, but um, we see then that the Bible tells us that uh, there are that we wrestle that w- that our battles are with the forces that we don't see. Now, do we concentrate on those? No, we don't. We concentrate on the Lord Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the Lord of hosts. Uh, Lord Sabaoth is his name. That's what uh, the Lord told uh, Joshua. He says, I come to you, I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. And that's the word. Is, and you'll see that throughout the Old Testament, uh, the Lord of hosts. Uh, that's the same term that's kind of, that is used or alluded to by Peter when he says that the Lord resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Uh, when that word resist means he marshals his forces against the proud. And so, uh, again, we see that there's a spiritual warfare, or then there's spiritual, and notice he says principalities, powers, and so forth. So we see that there's different um, ranks, or at least administrations of angels. But then over in chapter um, 15, or chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 15, he says, He, the Lord Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him, by him, and for him. And so again, God created the angels. And we notice that he says that uh, he even made the ranks or the orders of the functions of angels. Different ones do different things. And so we see that we, that there is a spiritual warfare that there we know, and we're going to look at this morning. Uh, we're going to look at uh, two of the angels, Michael and Lucifer. And we know that they did battle one with another. And in fact, um, we know that if you've got your little... Um, uh, outline on the back uh, that I put on the back of your notes, the ministry of three angels, the only three that are named, and that is Michael, and we see him with might and with war. I mean, he is the one who battles, and we'll see that in just a moment. Gabriel is the messenger. He's the one that came to Mary, and he's the one that would come with messages to Joseph and others. And Lucifer, of course, is uh, was in, excuse me, in charge of worship. And isn't it interesting how that uh, he is very adept at getting people to worship him? And in fact, what did he want the Lord Jesus to do? To worship him. 
Now, Michael, we think of might. Uh, Gabriel, we think of message. And Lucifer, very significantly, we think of music. And we'll see that in just a few moments. But uh, one, one of the most blessed things, of course, Christians are to be singing Christian. But one thing that Satan always does, he takes everything that God makes, he doesn't create, he perverts. He takes what God makes and twists it. And so we see that even in the area of music. Music uh, is, uh, can lift us to the highest heights or it can take us to the lowest depths of human depra- depravity. And uh, it's a vehicle. And that's why we have to be very careful with music, especially even in the church. Because when you bring barroom music into the church, what happens? The church starts acting like those in a barroom. And so we have to be careful with that, and you bring sensuous music into the church, then you're going to have sensuous people. Uh, and so we see that uh, these are all things that we're going to be looking at, or at least skimming over, or trying to give you an introduction to. But uh, now we see then that, uh, first of all, let's just look at Michael. Now, Michael, we can see, in fact, I'd like to begin back in, in uh, the book of Daniel, as we said this morning. And uh, in the book of Daniel, uh, verse in chapter ten, we see that uh, that Daniel was alone in verse seven of Daniel chapter ten, and he says, "I alone saw a vision of a man who was with me." The vision, um, excuse me. Okay, wait a minute. Let's go down to verse ten. Verse 10 of chapter 10. Suddenly a hand touched me and made me tremble on my knees. And he said, O Daniel, uh, man greatly beloved, understand the words I speak and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking, the word came to me. Then he said, Do not fear, Daniel, for the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God. So that tells us something tells us that angels hear our prayers. Now, they, don't, they are not people to pray to. Uh, don't get your... Uh, and saints are not people to pray to because they can't do anything outside of the power and the orders of God. And so they are created by God, but I don't have a... If I have a guardian angel or whatever people want to say, it's because God has decided that that angel is not going to do anything outside of the will of God. And so I don't pray to that angel. I don't even look for him. I look on, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The Lord, as we have said many times, will not share his glory with another. And that's one reason uh, Satan got kicked out of heaven, because he wanted God's glory. But we see, first of all, then, he, he, he said to, that I saw the first day that you humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. And so God directed me because of your words. Now, did, and as you read chapter 9, one of the longest prayers in all the Bible, one of the most blessed prayers in all the Bible that Daniel prays. What a prayer. That's a a study in itself. Uh, But he didn't pray to an angel. He prayed to his God. 
he prayed to the Lord God. And so, yes, the Lord allowed the angel to hear, but he was not able to do anything until he was sent. And so, again, we see that uh, set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God. Your words were heard, and I have come um, because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, three weeks. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes. Now, okay, that tells us one of the chief princes. So that tells us maybe there are more, but the only one that we know that is named is Michael. The uh, chief princes would mean archangel. And so one of the chief princes um, uh, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, again, is he ta- kings of Persia? Of course, there's one king of Persia. He's talking about, he's talking about principalities. He's talking about some people that are, that are controlling Persia. Now, we know that Satan is a, he is not omnipresent, but he is ubiquitous. Now, what's the difference between the words? Uh, I like oh, Howard Cosell used to be uh, back in the, when uh, Monday Night Football was in his heyday in the 70s or whatever. There was a, there was a duo announcers named Don Meredith and, uh, and Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell was kind of a lawyer, big mouth, uh, um, kind of a New England accent type of guy that was a know-it-all. And oh, uh, Dandy Don Meredith was an ex-quarterback uh, from Texas or out west anyway, and they and they were just as opposite as they could be. Oh, come on, Howard! I didn't know he would keep on saying that to him. But but if you remember, if uh, you older people might remember, remember how that old Howard Cosell would like to use big words. You know, uh, and old Dandy Don would say, uh, "Come on, Howard!" You know, <laughs> and get down on our level. But. Uh, one of the words that he would use, that, that linebacker is ubiquitous. Remember that? You know, he, in other words, he's all over the field. He's not everywhere at once because that's omnipresence. But it seems like he's every, he can move pretty fast. It seems like he's always in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever. But, uh, he, but uh, he moves fast. And so the devil can move from what he, he goes to and fro throughout the, the world, seeking whom he may devour, doesn't he? He's a roaring lion, but he is not omnipresent. He is, but he does have a fantastic organizing ability. Remember, he was an archangel, and so he's a great organizer, just like the Lord is. Now, of course, the Lord is a whole lot better than Satan, and uh, Satan doesn't realize it, but, sa- but Satan is right in the palm of, of the Lord's hand. He doesn't realize it. How many times have I said, you know, uh, that... Uh, if I, I mean, we know the prophecy is true, and it always comes true, biblical prophecy does. If I was Satan after being defeated so many times, especially at the resurrection and everything that God's done, then I would, you know, if I could, if I was Satan, I'd say, you know, if I can't, you know, Lord, forgive me, you know, uh, uh, you know, if I can't beat you, I'll, I'll, you know, let me join back with you. But it's interesting how that God has blinded his eyes and Satan still thinks he's going to win. And unfortunately, isn't that what happens with the devil's children? Whenever they follow him, God gives them over, says, okay, you go that route, and they can't see anymore. They're blind and cannot see. The only reason that we saw 
salvation. The only reason that we see Jesus is because of the grace of God who called us to salvation. We've got to remember that. And so we see that, uh, that um, we see that he says, I have come to make uh, you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. So we see that he said, he said Michael, now as... Uh, Uh, Thirteen, yeah, 13, the, prince, the, the prince of the uh, prince of the kingdom of Persia, uh, which stood me three day, uh, three uh, three weeks, and Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Right, All right, and so we don't know if that's Gabriel, but he was a messenger, and that's the very word angel. Angel means messenger. Right. Well, that's the very word angel means messenger, and so we see that uh, there are powers. And so this angel could not uh, defeat, but Michael knew how to at least drive him away. And so again, we see that, uh, that there is a spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against uh, these spiritual things. Now, in chapter 12 of Daniel, we see Michael again. And at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was, uh, there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, uh, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who uh, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So he's talking about the tribulation period at the end, of the resurrection at the end, and he talks about, uh, of course, uh, a conglomerate. Of course, we see in the New Testament you know, the Lord divides those things, but uh, we see that uh, God, that Michael, is going to be pretty much in charge of the tribulation. Now, of course, we know there are seven angels in different places, and so we know that uh, But Michael is going to be the supervisor in the, the situation. So then again, we see in Jude chapter 9, Jude, Jude verse 9, there's no chapters, Jude 9. Again, we see Michael. So... You go to the book of Revelation and turn back one book, and there's, there's Jude. And we see that Jude says that, um, that likewise, in verse 8, uh, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. So that's what people do when they're under control of Satan and his angels. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil... When he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So notice Michael, even when he fights Satan, is limited by what the Lord will allow him to do. Now, he can prevent uh, Satan from doing things. For instance, how many, you know, how, many, how would we know that, uh, and one reason we know that the Lord uh, hid Moses because he would have been worshipped. 
They would have made a shrine. They would have made a Buddha or whatever out of Moses. And so the Lord took Moses up and buried in himself, the only person in the Bible that we know that God buried. And yet uh, there was spiritual warfare going on there because Satan wanted that body. Well, if Satan could have that body, uh, look what they do in Rome. I mean, they think they've got the, the, the skull of St. Peter over there. They, all those different things that uh, people worship. And how sad that is. And so uh, we see that if, they, if Satan could have had the body of Moses, he would have been just like Buddha or Mohammed or whoever else. Uh, you would have had a Mecca or something. So God hid his body. It's kind of interesting. We don't have a. We don't have. We don't know where the Lord was buried. We don't have the open grave. We might. Some people think they know where it is. There's not one sliver of the cross. There is no evidence at all, as far as physical evidence. There's all kinds of word, and of course the lawyers go and say you can prove the Lord Jesus walked by just what people have said and by the way you put things together. Uh, but there's. We don't have anything. Why? Because whatever we would have would be worshipped. Look, I mean, uh, my favorite is that heavenly tortilla where somebody saw the face of Jesus on the tortilla and all of a sudden everybody was getting healed and all all this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why that one sticks in my mind, but uh, it was in New Mexico, I think, or whatever. But uh, same way with the idea that uh, some guy parked his car in um, the driveway and his porch light, shined in such a way that it formed a cross on the the neighbor's wall next to him and people walking by were healed. All kinds of crazy things that we hear about, you know, visions of Jesus. Uh, There's that picture of uh, uh, someone looked up and they saw the clouds and they, they saw the face of Jesus and all these different things. We have to be very careful with that because God is spirit. And they to worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so, again, well, that's what they were saying. But, you know, uh, all these supposed miracles. The the Shroud of Terran is another one of those. It's a a fake. There's nothing, you know, the Lord is not. uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's not the Lord. And so, uh, now, Anna, you're kind of looking a little strange at me, from, being from a Catholic background. Did I say anything wrong? Okay, I'm just wanting to make sure. I mean, I, I, or if, you know, there again, uh, you know, that's just, just the way life, what, what it is. But I do love to find out from people uh, from Catholic backgrounds because, you know, it, it is very deep and sinister, some of the things that happens in the name of Catholic worship. Uh, holy water and all that kind of stuff uh, is, is not biblical. Let's just put it that way. But here we see that uh, in Jude chapter 9, then we see that the angels fight with one another. And yet, they are, they, you know, if, my, if I was Michael, I'd want to go down and just wipe out everybody. But notice God restrains him. Isn't it interesting? Michael is in complete control of his master. And yet he loves his master, I'm sure, and all that. So again, the angels will not do anything that God doesn't tell them, so don't pray to them. Oh, you know, St. Michael or St. whatever, you know. uh, There again, why is there a St. Michael? If he's an angel, he's not a saint. (laughs) 
<laughs> so you go on and on with all that kind of stuff, you know. So um, an angel is a human, is a, was created by God. A saint was a human, you know, that was created by God, but two different orders. So all these different things that we see here, that, um, again, we see that there is a spiritual warfare. And then in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, we see Michael. And, of course, this is the whole scenario of uh, Satan trying to destroy um, the Lord. Destroy the Lord. He says, now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed in the sun and the moon. And, of course, this is uh, Israel. Um, and, of course, Mary, the ultimate uh, uh, child of Israel. In verse 3, and another sign appeared in heaven, a great fiery red dragon. And, of course, we know that was Satan. Um, and she bore a male child. And, of course, that's, uh, uh, Christianity came out of the womb of Israel, you know, from Mary and David right on down to us today. And, of course, um, and, the, and, the, and the Bible takes great pains to make sure that we know that both sides of Mary's bloodline comes from the Lord Jesus and from, the, from Abraham. And so, and then in verse 7, And war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail nor was a, their place found for them in heaven any longer. Now, that is a mysterious situation. Are we talking about the third heaven where we see the throne of God? Or are we talking about the heavens? You know, the area, there's three heavens, and Paul was called up to the third heaven. I'm not sure the Lord allows, well, we do know that, he, that in the book of Job that he can go and talk to the Lord. Remember, the, uh, you know, where have you been? I've been going throughout the, the world, you know. And uh, he says, well, have you considered my servant Job? Uh, and I, there again, every time I say that, I think, Lord, please don't say, have you considered my servant Dan? You know, I mean, after seeing what you please, Lord, you know, spare me. So there again. Uh, <clears throat> so we see that there is communication where... I'm not sure that would be, well, heaven is a perfect place, so heaven, he's already been kicked out of that throne room. So we're, I'm thinking that he's a prince of the power of the air, which means that that's the second heaven. You know, so we have, you know, the, the layers or whatever. So we know that the heavens declare the glory of God. That's the sun, moon, and stars. So Satan is out there somewhere. And so we see that... Uh, but he's going to be confined totally to the earth one day. And he's going to be kicked. And that's going to be a great time. I imagine Michael is going to say, you know, I've been waiting a few thousand years to do this, Satan. Wham! You know, <laughs> and that'll be, you know, I'm sure he's wanting to do that with, uh, with Satan. And so we see that there's a great battle going on. And Michael is right in the middle of it. And he fights with Satan. Now, we see also um, the, um, then uh, we know that Micah, the voice of the archangel is, of course, is that the archangel? Is that going to be Satan? Or excuse me, is that going to be Michael? Or is there another? We saw there's, you know, he's one of the chiefs. But is he, uh, is it going to be Michael, the archangel that has a trumpet uh, that is going to blow 
whenever we take that, he takes the church into heaven. Um, so, so let's look then. We see Michael, then let's turn, and we want to look at Lucifer. And there's two main passages where we see Lucifer. And one is in Isaiah chapter 14, and then the other is in Ezekiel 28. But in Isaiah 14, let's see if I can get back to there. And this is where we get the idea of he was the um, he was a choir director. Or he was in charge of music anyway. Um, in chapter 12, we see that um, he says, um, chapter 14, verse 12, we see, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Isn't it interesting how closely tied to Jesus he is? Who's the morning star? The Lord Jesus. And yet here he was, the one who was so close to the Lord, even son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you, have, uh, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. So here we think of the very throne room of God. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So again, uh, we see that he is thinking that he is going to usurp the power of, of God. I, notice the eyes. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. So again, even here, I'm going to rule from Jerusalem. You know, the mount. You think of the, the mount of uh, you know, the congregation would be Israel. On the farther sides of the north. Okay, now... Um, is it Psalm 8? Uh, the Bible tells us, beautiful for situations. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of our great king? Uh, that's interesting because as you, uh, the north, there's not a whole lot of stars. It points to the north. But that's uh, why we have to be careful with Santa Claus. Where does he come from? The north. And, he, and, and also, he's omniscient, or at least he's omniscient because he's making a list and counting it twice. So be very careful with Santa Claus. You say, well, don't teach Santa Claus. I tell people that I teach Santa Claus, like, uh, I mean, with my kids, like uh, Peter Cottontail and Peter Rabbit and Bugs Bunny, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, people like that. So... Uh, uh, Rachel Maddow, you know, some of those other people that just don't live in the real world. But uh, So here we see that he says, of all the uh, farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. He didn't say I will be the most high, but I will be like him. Why? Because he was created. So he can't, all he can do is copy him. And he can counterfeit him, but he can't be him because he was created. But we have a God who was not created. So it's interesting. Now, you see, why did the Lord allow this? And how many angels did, the Lord, did, uh, did he take with him? A third. a third. And we saw last week there were billions of angels. So there means there's probably a few billions 
of angels out there today. Now, that's, uh, and of course, um, as, uh, as the angels, uh, he says, um, and those he brought them down to Shoal, to the lowest pits, uh, the depths of, of the pit. Um, and so we see that uh, Satan is a great counterfeiter. And uh, he wants to be like God, but he cannot be God. And so we see then that uh, as a, um, then over in chapter 28 of Ezekiel, there was another nugget of great wisdom I was going to give you, but it slipped my mind. It'll come back to me in a moment. Of course, my nuggets of great wisdom seem to be shifting around the older I get. <laughs> I can't find those nuggets anymore. <laughs> so, Okay. Um, notice in chapter 28, the word came to me again, son of man, see the prince of Tyre. Thus says the Lord. Now the prince of Tyre it was uh, in other places we don't, and we won't take the time this morning, was really Tyre was a very demon-possessed city. And God used Tyre as the city that, uh, um, where, of course, the prince of Tyre, the prince of Tyre is not talking about the king of Tyre. He's talking about the princes of the kings of Persia. Remember that? Here's the same type of situation. You have the prince, the person who controls Tyre. So we're talking about somebody spiritual. You know, there's, uh, it's been said, you know, the, uh, and I was, did a study, I don't like to get in the midst of this because there again, I would rather be on the, with the, on the Lord's side. But I heard a study from a person who really gets into this and sometimes I think too deeply. But right around that Tigris-Euphrates River, it talks about demons coming out and everything else during the tribulation. You look at over that now. And you look at some of those people that come from that area, and you look at their eyes, it's downright scary how hard and harsh some of those people can look, the Taliban and all the rest. Uh, and I've talked to missionaries, and I think you go, and it's like a, a cold, hard, harsh atmosphere. Now, of course, you can have that here, but it seems to be concentrated in that area. Now, there again, I don't want to get into that and put a, a demon behind every bench and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, my, there's demons around this church. Well, we know all that because God says so, but let's keep our minds on the Lord Jesus, right? And so, uh, uh, but we do, we do test the spirits. And, and, and so if you feel that coldness, then that's a good radar. Okay, Lord, why I don't sense your presence or, you know, whatever else then, Lord, you're putting a, I hope this is, Lord, I want to test the spirits. Is this of you? You know, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's love, joy, peace. Right? And so, but where there's bitter ending and strife, there is, a, there is confusion in every evil work. This wisdom is not from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, or the word the King James says, devilish. So can the demons get into a church? Yes, he can. Now, they can't possess the people, but they can sure mess them up. And so again, 
uh, we have to be careful about who's controlling the church. We won't, you know, uh, he, uh, the Lord Jesus he put his angels charge over us. Well, okay, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, I'll pray to you and you direct me, you, know, you, you direct the forces. But I'm not going to start praying to St. Michael. Or, Lord, give me that guardian angel. Let him come down here. And when the, uh, when the bells tinkle on the uh, Christmas tree, then that's when that angel gets his wings. No. All the crazy things that pass, you know, that have passed for lore, and yet people, it's kind of in the back, maybe this is real. And so, um, I don't know, if, uh, if my Christmas tree starts to... Uh, to start rattling around. I'm going to think maybe it's an earthquake or something, but uh, uh, whatever. But now with that, uh, I said all that to say this, verse uh, um, one, because your heart is lifted up and you say, I am a God. You know, Shirley McLean back a few years ago, she got into this uh, spiritism and all this stuff that's going on in Hollywood. And uh, she went out to... uh, a beach out in California, I think. And she just said, and she started yelling, I am God. It's just amazing. I would be, I'd be, I wouldn't have been surprised if the Lord just took a wave and washed her out, you know, or took a, or whatever. But that's what people are doing today. They think that, you know, if I really think hard, knowledge is God. And after all, look at how much, I'm a PhD. And I go to Harvard. And as a result of that, you know, I can say that men are girls. and girls, hey, There's no such thing as, as gender or whatever. You know, I don't want to even use the words. There's no difference between boy and girl because it's all in your mind. They became vain in their imaginations. The term there is empty-headed, really. <laughs> and yet they're so smart, they're stupid. He can't possess a Christian because the Holy Spirit is in your heart. Now he can. Oh yeah. No, it, oh, cool. there again, there again, we'll let the Lord control. I mean, can a Christian be controlled by Satan? See, that's the thing where when rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. So when we step outside the will of God, we're wide open to Satan and his forces. Now, as a Christian, he can't come into my heart because I've already had the Lord Jesus do that. But he can sure beat the devil. No, the Lord can beat the devil out of me. Uh, but, uh, but there again, Satan can cause me a lot of problems because I've taken myself outside of the umbrella of God's blessings. And God says, okay, you want to go that route? Then you can see. And whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And how does he chasten? Sometimes he allows Satan to chase us. Though Satan should buffet and trials come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate. Praise the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul. So again, Satan can buffet me. And even sometimes the Lord allows him to, like with Job. But if he does, then I know that God has a limit. But if I get outside the will of God, what's the limit? (laughs) Other than I won't go to hell. But, other, you know, so there again, we see that there's spiritual battles going on. So he says, because your heart was lifted up and you say, I'm a God, I sit at the seat of God's in the midst of the seas. 
we'll look at that. Do you realize, um, oh boy, I don't want to, uh, in uh, the ship that Paul took from Malta up to Rome, up to Naples, actually, um, had Gemini, the two, the, the twins, as on the masthead. And the reason they would do that with those ancient ships was because they were the gods of the seas. In, um, uh, in Mobile, Alabama, or just outside of Mobile, where they have the blessing of the fleet every year. And guess who the saint is? It's Saint Elmo. And there again, folks, no saint, no devil. Who is the ruler of the seas? The Lord Jesus Christ. And the son, or the, uh, who is this man that even the seas obey him? And so uh, there again, uh, he says, I will sit in the midst of the... So what is he doing? He gets people to worship him in all kinds of different areas. The sea, the sun, whatever. The morning star. It's one of the things uh, that Ezekiel will talk about. He says uh, the thing that he hated, and he showed a vision of women making cakes for the, um, for the for, uh, a god, false god, but also they were turning toward the east every day to pray. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. We were talking about directions. The Lord's on the side of the north and all that. But, you know, but he says in the midst of the seas, you are a man, uh, uh, yet you are a man and not a God, though you've set your heart as the heart of God. Behold, um, you are wiser than Daniel. It's kind of interesting that Ezekiel says that, and he was a contemporary of Daniel. Daniel was already lifted up. Remember, Daniel was greatly beloved. There's only three people in the Bible that were greatly beloved. I think it was Joseph, Daniel, and Job. Was that? John the Baptist. No, I think as far as Old Testament, there were three three men: Jesus, or Joseph, Job, and Daniel. They were greatly beloved. And so we see, and there is no secret that can be hidden from you. Uh, for your wisdom and understanding, you have gained riches for yourself and gathered gold and s- silver in your treasuries. Uh, by your great wisdom in trade, knows how smart this guy is. You have increased in riches and your heart is lifted up because of your riches. Now, talking, putting a human side on him because, uh, of course, he is overtired. Tyre was a filthy rich city at the time. But yet, of course, talking about Satan also. Therefore, thus said the Lord, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers against you in the most terrible nations, and they shall draw swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor, and they th- shall throw you into a pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas. Now, where is Satan thrown? In a lake a sea of fire. Isn't he? So he's going he's gonna, to, that's where he's going to die. Or of course, death is not ceasing to exist. Death is a separation from God. And so in verse 9, uh, will you st- say, uh, he who slays you, I am a God, uh, but you shall be a man and not a God. And so notice, uh, I'm going to put you in your, in your place. So he goes on and he talks um, about that. Uh, notice in verse, uh, verse 12, the last part. He says, you were the seal of per- perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. 
the, the devil was a beautiful thing. Uh, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Was Satan in the garden of Eden? Yes, he was. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, and he goes through all those stones that are in heaven. He was a beautiful animal, a beautiful being, not an animal, an angel. Uh, your workmanship, the timbrels and pipes, there's the word, pipes. Most scholars say that that is musical instruments. So he was in control of music in heaven. And uh, they were, uh, was prepared for you on the day uh, that you were created. So you were created to make music in heaven. No wonder he is such a powerful man on earth, or being on earth. I keep saying man, but uh, uh, being on earth. Because God gave him tremendous gifts. He's beautiful. Satan can really paint a pretty picture, can he? He can really, I wish he would come, as someone said, with his red suit and horns and pitchfork. No, he comes sometimes as, he's the angel of light. He comes as, for men, beautiful women. Or whatever else. He comes, you know, whatever it is that he needs to, uh, to take away a person's vision of God. Verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. So he was right up there next to God. The cherubs were, in, because I established you, you were on a holy mountain of God. Uh, you walked back and forth to the midst of heaven. Remember, he said, uh, now I go to and fro throughout the earth. You were perfect in your, in your ways from the day you were created. There's that word again. Till iniquity was found in you. And what was that iniquity? I will be like God. Nobody tells me what to do. And of course, that's what man has been doing ever since because man has fallen and we are, until we're saved, we are of our father, the devil, who was a liar and a murderer from the beginning until we realize that we're lost and the Lord Jesus calls us to salvation. And so what are we to do? We are to be God's angels, if you want to call it that, as a messenger, we're God's messengers. In fact, Paul says ambassadors rather than angels. But we're to be the ones who God uses to call people to salvation. And so what do we do? With the preaching of the cross is to them to perish foolishness, but to us that are saved, it is the power of God. And so that's our calling. Okay, we're going to stop there. We'll get back into it later. But that's, we're getting into some pretty deep stuff, right? eerie stuff, but stuff that we need to know but not concentrate on. Let's concentrate on the Lord Jesus. We want to know our enemy. That's why I, I like old uh, George Patton. Uh, George Patton, uh, whenever, uh, people, those German generals, many of them wrote books between the uh, uh, world wars. And so Patton said, I'm going to read them all. So he knew the generals. He knew the Rommel. He says, I read your book, Rommel. You know, so, and of course, he put a few words in there. But, uh, but you, know, you know your enemy by reading their book or knowing their methods because we want to know our enemies. And why does someone says, uh, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer? In other words, know who they are and know what they can do. And so we want to know our adversary, the devil.
in fact, there's a book written, I've thought about uh, doing a study on it, um, by, I think it's Barnhouse, uh, called Your Adversary the Devil. Anybody ever heard that book, about that book? It's kind of an interesting book. He really goes through a lot of these, these things. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessings upon us. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you give us power over Satan and sin. Lord, may we surrender our lives to you and want your perfect will, knowing that in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, Lord, we want your power. We want your grace. We want your wisdom to know how to, to stand against the wiles, the trickery, the, the brazenness, the, the harshness of Satan. And, Lord, that the world will see those who truly trust you, the love and the joy and the grace that is imparted to us through you. Bless us, Lord, as we would seek to do your will in your way. In Jesus' name, amen.